Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. My name is Ryan. I'm here today with Chelsea and Chris, uh, and we are going through Ezekiel. This, this is some more temple imagery we have some debate as to what this is about some <laughs> debate is a maybe strong an word unders- for what yeah here. we're not we're not fighting <laughs> i promise um what did you notice as we were reading this guys i have a lot of questions that i don't think i can get answers to <laughs> this is one of those passages that's going to give you more questions than answers uh but what we do know is that it's a very detailed instruction that should be very familiar that when God talks about temples, he talks about ways of life to a people that have been taken out of their way of life. Uh, he does give a lot of uh, details about how the priests are conduct themselves, how the temples to be laid out. Um, one of the things it does talk about, it, it kind of makes some statements that to our modern day ears can sound a little bit strange. Ryan, you were kind of com- <laughs> commenting on this. Yeah. Uh, what do you, you want to just... All right, so this is Ezekiel 44, uh, starting in verse 6. Give these rebels, the people of Israel, this message from the sovereign Lord. O people of Israel, enough of your detestable sins. You've brought uncircumcised foreigners into my sanctuary, people who have no heart for God. In this way, you defiled my temple, even as you offered me my food. Um, And it it continues. There's a comma there, not a period. But it's if, if you're just listening to it, like if you listen to the passage, and you're like, oh, wow, God's like... I don't like foreigners. Um, you may be like slightly misled because the way that he defines foreigners is basically like uncircumcised people who are not respectful to God. Um, uncircumcised being like a uh, signifying the fact that they're not like bound by the covenant. They don't have respect to the mark of the covenant. Um, so it actually just all comes down to like God is not super thrilled with people in his presence when they don't care about God at all. Is that fair? Yeah. And I think a few verses after that, the way it was even worded, it says, no unsurrendered people will come. Yeah, yeah, that's, people, that's later no, on. No people that are not surrendered to God. So I th- I do think that's good to point out. God certainly is not against foreigners. Uh, in fact, I mean, it would, it would go against everything that Scripture has done because there was always an invitation to foreigners to become a part of the people of God. So it wasn't male or female. It wasn't Jew or Gentile. It was, are you a believer? Are you a covenant follower of of God, which would be at that time in the Old Testament designated by being circumcised. Ruth was invited in. Uh, foreigners were always able to align themselves with the people of God. And so this isn't saying something different. That is a really important point to make, actually, because it, it's just in terms of how to read the Bible. Like if you just read that for face value and it's like, oh, God hates foreigners. Like, wow, he must have felt really strongly about all these different nations. Uh, you might miss the point. And like one of the best questions to ask yourself as you read through God's whole story is if I read something goofy that feels weird, um, it's really good to compare it to the character of God and things that we already know. Like, so we've already seen stories where he actually seems to encourage foreigners to come and seek him. So maybe it doesn't actually mean what it seems like it means at first. Well, and and if it doesn't give us enough case to know that God likes foreigners yesterday... God did a totally miraculous thing with a pagan foreign king, Nebuchadnezzar, leading him to a revelation of himself. So God's not going to go to the trouble of doing that if he doesn't like foreigners. Yeah. So, And again and again, we see that God's more interested in the circumcision of the heart than anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So Both in the, the Old Testament and New Testament. One of the other interesting things in this passage is uh, that is different than the other temple uh, descriptions that we have or instructions is many times a priest was talked about doing things in the temple or the ruler of a people was king. Here, uh, we've got this repeated phrase that there's a prince. I hope you're going to answer your own question because I have no answer. He's setting himself up right now. That's what this is. I'm looking looking at Chelsea because I know that was one of her many things. I don't understand. Who is this prince? I don't have an answer. (laughs) Who could it be? Um, I mean, if I had, like, reading it at face value, what I know about the Bible, I would interpret it as Jesus. Yeah, and we did mention, I think, yesterday that there's some different ways of looking at this. Some people see this as a physical temple when the exiles return. So that would, it would have to be a person then. It would have to be a, a leader, uh, potentially Zerubbabel, the leader who goes mm-hmm. out with them. If this is more of a symbolic, spiritual kind of a thing, well, then it could, could be kind of leaning towards that prince-king metaphor that we we've seen other places that does refer to Jesus. If you're super into jumping into like the Bible study weeds, this <laughs> prince seems to be doing things that are kingly, like leading a people group as a, as a nation leader and high priestly, um, like interceding in the realm of God's inner court. Yeah. And like for the entering people. into the presence of God, which is not for just anybody. Kings don't do that. Yeah. So generally. And if we look at this purely on what we have seen, not what we know is coming, because we just happen to know some of the New Testament, the only person that's been described as a priest and a king uh, before is Melchizedek. I thought you were going to say Jesus. Um, <laughs> Isn't that always the right answer? Well, he he, he hasn't been introduced to us in that way. Yeah. Yet, so. <laughs> you miss his and caveat. even Melchizedek was a little bit of like, here's something different. It's, it's out of the ordinary. So I think we... <laughs> the best I can do with it. There's something different. Mumble, mumble, there's, there's actually like whole, you, you can study Melchizedek for ages. There's so much stuff that people really like dive down the Melchizedek realm of study. Mormons do that a lot too. But, yeah. <laughs> yes. But we're not talking, we're not advocating that. Um, it's, it's just interesting because when you meet Melchizedek, there's no context for any kind of leader like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's Hebrews, I think too, in the mm-hmm. book of Hebrews, we yep. talk about. Um, a leader in the order of Melchizedek. So, anyway. So. Interesting stuff. We have answered nothing. <laughs> so, we have lots of questions and no answers. <laughs> the Bible is the only book that you can study for the rest of your life and still say, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's definitely true. Ezekiel 44, starting in verse 1. Then the man brought me back to the east gateway in the outer wall of the temple area, but it was closed. And the Lord said to me, the gate must remain closed. It will never again be open. No one will ever open it and pass through. For the Lord, the God of Israel, has entered here. Therefore, it must always remain shut. Only the prince himself may sit inside the gateway to feast in the Lord's presence. But he may come and go only through the entry room of the gateway. Then the man brought me through the north gateway to the front of the temple. I looked and saw that the glory of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord, and I fell face down on the ground. And the Lord said to me, Son of man, take careful notice. Use your eyes and ears and listen to everything I tell you about the regulations concerning the Lord's temple. Take careful note of the procedures for using the temple's entrances and exits. And give these rebels, the people of Israel, the message from the sovereign Lord. O people of Israel, enough of your detestable sins. You have brought uncircumcised foreigners into my sanctuary, people who have no heart for God. In this way, you defiled my temple, even as you offered me my food, the fat and the blood of sacrifices. 
In addition to all of your other detestable sins, you have broken my covenant. Instead of safeguarding my sacred rituals, you have hired foreigners to take charge of my sanctuary. So this is what the Sovereign Lord says. No foreigners, including those who live among the people of Israel, will enter my sanctuary if they have not been circumcised and have not surrendered themselves to the Lord. And the men of the tribe of Levi who abandoned me when Israel strayed away from me to worship idols must bear the consequences of their unfaithfulness. They may still be the temple guards and gatekeepers, and they may slaughter the animals brought for burnt offerings and be present to help the people. But they encouraged my people to worship idols, causing Israel to fall into deep sin. So I have taken a solemn oath that they must bear the consequences for their sins, says the Sovereign Lord. They may not approach me to minister as priests. They may not touch any of my holy offerings or or holy things, for they must bear the shame of all the detestable sins they have committed. They are to serve as temple caretakers, taking charge of the maintenance work and performing general duties. However, the Levitical priests of the family of Zadok continued to minister faithfully in the temple when Israel abandoned me for idols. These men will serve as my ministers. They will stand in my presence and offer the fat and blood of the sacrifices, says the Sovereign Lord. They alone will enter my sanctuary and approach my table to serve me. They will fulfill all my requirements. When they enter the gateway to the inner courtyard, they must wear only linen clothing. They must wear no wool while on duty in the inner courtyard or in the temple itself. They must wear linen turbans and linen undergarments. They must not wear anything that would cause them to perspire. When they return to the outer courtyard where the people are, they must take off the clothes they wear while ministering to me. They must leave them in the sacred rooms and put on other clothes so they do not endanger anyone by transmitting holiness to them through this clothing. They must neither shave their heads nor let their hair grow too long. Instead, they must trim it regularly. The priests must not drink wine before entering the inner courtyard. They may choose their wives only from among the virgins of Israel or the widows of the priests. They may not marry other widows or divorced women. They will teach my people the differences between what is holy and what is common, what is ceremonially clean and unclean. They will serve as judges to resolve any disagreements among my people. Their decisions must be based on my regulations, and the priests themselves must obey my instructions and decrees at all the sacred festivals and see to it that the Sabbaths are set apart as holy days. A priest must not defile himself by being in the presence of a dead person, unless it is his father, mother, child, brother, or unmarried sister. In such cases, it is permitted. Even then, he can return to the temple duties only after being ceremonially cleansed and then waiting for seven days. The first day he returns to work and enters the inner courtyard and sanctuary, he must offer a sin offering for himself, says the Sovereign Lord. The priests will not have any property or possessions of land, for I alone am their special possession. Their food will come from the gifts of sacrifices brought to the temple by the people, the grain offerings, the sin offerings, and the guilt offerings. Whatever anyone sets apart for the Lord will belong to the priests. The first of the ripe fruits and all the gifts brought to the Lord will go to the priests. The first batch of dough must also be given to the priests so that the Lord will bless your homes. The priests may not eat meat from any bird or animal that dies a natural death or that dies after being attacked by another animal. When you divide the land among the tribes of Israel, you must set aside a section for the Lord as it is his holy portion. This piece of land will be eight and one-third miles long and six and two-thirds miles wide. The entire area will be holy. A section of this land measuring 875 feet by 875 feet will be set aside for the temple. An additional strip of land 87 and a half feet wide is to be left empty all around it. 
Within the larger sacred area, measure out a portion of land eight and one-third miles long and three and one-third miles wide. Within it, the sanctuary as the most holy place will be located. This area will be holy, set aside for the priests who minister to the Lord in the sanctuary. They will use it for their homes, and my temple will be located within it. The strip of sacred land next to it, also eight and one-third miles long and three and one-third miles wide, will be a living area for the Levites who work at the temple. It will be their possession and a place for their towns. Adjacent to the larger sacred area will be a section of land eight and one-third miles long and one and two-third miles wide. This will be set aside for a city where anyone in Israel can live. Two special sections of land will be set apart for the prince. One section will share a border with the east side of the sacred lands and city, and the second section will share a border on the west side. Then the far eastern and western borders of the prince's land will line up with the eastern and western boundaries of the tribal areas. These sections of land will be for the prince's allotment. Then my princes will no longer oppress and rob my people. They will assign the rest of the land to the people, giving an allotment to each tribe. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, Enough, you princes of Israel. Stop your violence and oppression and do what is just and right. Quit robbing and cheating my people out of their land. Stop expelling them from their homes, says the Sovereign Lord. Use only honest weights and scales and honest measures, both dry and liquid. The homer will be your standard unit for measuring volume. The ephah will be and the bath will each measure one-tenth of the homer. The standard unit for weight will be the silver shekel. One shekel will consist of 20 geras, and 60 shekels will be equal to one mina. You must give this to the tax to the prince, one bushel of wheat or barley for every 60 you harvest. 1% of your olive oil, and one sheep or goat for every 200 in your flocks in Israel. These will be the grain offerings, burnt offerings, and peace offerings that make atonement for the people who bring them, says the Sovereign Lord. All the people of Israel must join in bringing these offerings to the prince. The prince will be required to provide offerings that are given at the religious festivals, the new moon celebrations, the Sabbath days, and all other similar occasions. He will provide the sin offerings, burnt offerings, grain offerings, liquid offerings, and peace offerings to purify the people of Israel, making them right with the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. In early spring, on the first day of each new year, sacrifice a young bull with no defects to purify the temple. The priest will take blood from this sin offering and put it on the doorpost of the temple, the four corners of the upper ledge of the altar, and the gateposts at the entrance to the inner courtyard. Do this also on the seventh day of the new year for anyone who has sinned through error or ignorance. In this way, you will purify the temple. On the fourteenth day of the first month, you must celebrate the Passover. This festival will last for seven days. The bread you eat during that time must be made without yeast. On the day of Passover, the prince will provide a young bull as a sin offering for himself and the people of Israel. On each of the seven days of the feast, he will prepare a burnt offering to the Lord, consisting of seven young bulls and seven rams without defects. A male goat will also be given each day for a sin offering. The prince will provide a basket of flour as a grain offering and a gallon of olive oil with each young bull and ram. During the seven days of the festival of shelters, which occurs every year in early autumn, the prince will provide these same sacrifices for sin offering, the burnt offering, and the grain offering, along with the required olive oil. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. The east gateway of the inner courtyard will be closed during the six work days each week, but it will be open on the Sabbath days and the days of the new moon celebrations. The prince will enter the entry room of the gateway from the outside. Then he will stand by the gatepost while the priest offers his burnt offering and peace offering. He will bow down and worship inside the gateway passage and then go back out the way he came. The gateway will not be closed until evening. 
the common people will bow down and worship the Lord in front of the gateway on Sabbath days and the days of new moon celebrations. Each Sabbath day, the prince will present to the Lord a burnt offering of six lambs and one ram, all with no defects. He will present a grain offering of a basket of choice flour to go with the ram and whatever amount of flour he chooses to go with each lamb, and he is to offer one gallon of olive oil for each basket of flour. At the noon moon celebrations, he will bring one young bull, six lambs, and one ram, all with no defects. With the young bull, he must bring a basket of choice flour for a grain offering. With the ram, he must bring another basket of flour. And with each lamb, he is to bring whatever amount of flour he chooses to give. With each basket of flour, he must offer one gallon of olive oil. The prince must enter the gateway through the entry room, and he must leave the same way. But when the people come in through the north gateway to worship the Lord during the religious festivals, they must leave by the south gateway. And those who entered through the south gateway must leave by the north gateway. They must never leave by the same gateway they came in, but must always use the opposite gateway. The prince will enter and leave with the people on these occasions. So at the special feasts and sacred festivals, the grain offering will be a basket of choice flour with each young bull, another basket of flour with each ram, and as much flour as the worshiper chooses to give to each lamb. Give one gallon of olive oil with each basket of flour. When the prince offers a voluntary burnt offering or peace offering to the Lord, the east gateway to the inner courtyard will be open for him, and he will offer his sacrifices as he does on the Sabbath days. Then he will leave, and the gateway will be shut behind him. Each morning you must sacrifice a one-year-old lamb with no defects as a burnt offering to the Lord. With the lamb, a grain offering must also be given to the Lord. About three quarts of flour with a third of a gallon of olive oil to moisten the choice flour. This will be a permanent law for you. The lamb, the grain offering, and the olive oil must be given a daily sacrifice every morning without fail. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. If the prince gives a gift of land to one of his sons as his inheritance, it will belong to him and his descendants forever. But if the prince gives a gift of land from his inheritance to one of his servants, the servant may keep it only until the year of jubilee, which comes every fiftieth year. At that time, the land will return to the prince. But when the prince gives gifts to his sons, those gifts will be permanent. And the prince may never take anyone's property by force. If he gives property to his sons, it must be from his own land, for I do not want any of my people unjustly evicted from their property. In my vision, the man brought me through the entrance beside the gateway and led me to the sacred rooms assigned to the priests, which faced toward the north. He showed me a place at the extreme west end of these rooms. He explained, this is where the priests will cook the meat from the guilt offerings and sin offerings and bake the flour from the grain offerings into bread. They will do it here to avoid carrying the sacrifices through the outer courtyard and endangering the people by transmitting holiness to them. Then he brought me back to the outer courtyard and led me to each of its four corners. In each corner, I saw an enclosure. Each of these enclosures was 70 feet long and 52 and a half feet wide, surrounded by walls. Along the inside of these walls was a ledge of stone with fireplaces under the ledge all the way around. The man said to me, These are the kitchens to be used by the temple assistants to boil the sacrifices offered by the people.
Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.